Welcome to the Down About Down podcast from County Down, Northern Ireland, with your host Chris Scott, for your ears only. Welcome along to another Down About Down podcast hosted by me, Chris Scott, here for your ears only. In this podcast, I'm in conversation with Kalinchi's Jim Kenmore, an octogenarian who, in the late 1950s and early 1960s, was a cross-country runner and reached the international stage both in Lisbon and Brussels. Jim talks to me about his beginnings in the townland of Carol Gullion and Kalinchi and how he was first introduced to the cross-country running scene with the Ballydrain Harriers. Ballydrain Harrier and Athletic Club, of course, was formed in about 1932 with her early meetings held down there in the Ballydrain Old Schoolhouse. And it wasn't long before Jim was making the headlines in the local press with his natural ability on the cross-country circuits. I recently discovered an article published in February 1959 in the Steadfast magazine for the Boys Brigade. It was all about Jim Kenmore and was compiled by Derek Murray. And it was titled Cross Country Champion uh, and featured none other than Jim himself. And I quote, 18 months ago, Jim Kenmore was a six-stone corporal in the first Kalinchy company, standing little more than five foot when stripped from the gym. But a few days ago, I talked to Sergeant Kenmore and the 18-year-old apprentice fitter in Cumber County Down Mill and the newly crowned Northern Ireland Junior Cross Country Champion who has put on almost three stones since taking up running seriously. Bally Drain and probably Ireland will be looking to Sergeant Kenmore for many cross-country triumphs during the next couple of months, though neither will follow his progress with greater admiration than the boys of First Kalinchy. He's a hero with them and a hopeful for Ireland as Jim Kenmore presently uh, being hailed in local running circles as the greatest discovery since the days of the almost legendary Steve McCook. What an accolade, and that was only in 1959. And you know, Jim had never ever seen that article, so hopefully I'll be getting him a copy of that soon. Jim had won the Malcolm Cup in 1958, and then in April 1959 went to uh, Lisbon. He was uh, represented Ireland team in the European Cross Country Championship. Uh, Ireland All-Ireland Junior in February 1959 and he beat uh, an Olympian Bernie Masadashi in January 1959 in the Miskimmon Cup, a local cup. And the accolades just go on and on and on. In February 1960 there was an article by Jack McGann in the Belfast Telegraph and it stated, Kenmore, a 19-year-old Cumber boy, is a remarkable young man endowed it seems with something every bright athlete needs a lot of. Stamina, plenty of pace and a natural aptitude for the game. Looking forward to talking to Jim after this. Chatting with Chris on the Down About Down podcast. I'm somewhere in the depths of County Down. Uh, we're, we're, we're over at Kalinchy this time. Uh, we've been all over from Killalay, the other side of the loch, but this time I'm in Balloon Kalinchy and I'm going to welcome Jim Kenmore on. Hello. Jim, listen, I've, I'm here with you in your own home and I appreciate you talking to me this afternoon. Jim Kenmore, that might be, not be a name that a lot of people know, and unless you're very local, but Jim, you appear all over the newspapers from about 1957 to 1963, and there's hardly a Saturday that you weren't in the newspaper, Jim. You were a runner. That's right. Cross-country runner. Cross-country, because there's a difference, and we'll talk about that. But, Jim, I, I am absolutely amazed that you were actually an international runner, and I didn't really know a lot about you until I happened to meet one of your, your, your family members. Jim, your background, I mean, are you from this area? Were you always born and rare around here? I was born in a place... Uh, Behind McBriar's garage, uh, open. I was actually on born on next door. Uh, no, born on my, my granny's farm 
And then we moved to a place called Carragonal, that's about a mile along from here, along the next Galilee. And then we moved to a cottage just past McBriar's garage there on the main road, the Cumber. So and that's where I got married from. Aye. But I'd done most of my, my time, whenever I was running, I'd done most of my time in Carragong. was reared in Carragong and a thatched house. <laughs> Wow, you know that it's a different era, Jim, isn't it? From from the way things have changed now. I'm not going to give you exact age, but you're an octogenarian. I mean, you're 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 not a young fella anymore. No, eighty-two. <laughs> I'm eighty-two now. I didn't want to say that, but so we're going to way back to the fifties. So your early days, you, you were schooled in this area, Jim, were you? I was at the Clancy School for a while, and then the old schoolmaster Fred Marks. He he was only putting his time on, and he would have come in, in the morning and. Mark the road and went away down the hills for a walk. Uh-huh. And of course, whenever he got out, we were all carrying on. But he never gave us nothing to do before he went out. So we never come back. We all got a, a hammer with a, with a pointer or a ruler or something. And Jim, those were the days when you left school about 14. I left 14 and I started in Cumber Mill, just working on the, with the flax. Mm-hmm. And when I came 16, the late Mr. J.L.O. Andrews come up into the room one day and he says, Jim, I've been watching you and your work's good and you're always working. He says, would you like to serve your time as a mechanic? Well, I says, I've been named down with a man called Hans Robinson. He runs a, a building business. He, he was going to start me as a joiner. So he says, I'll give you a week to think it over. So I come home and I talk to my mother and father and they says, it's up to yourself, but at least in the middle you'll be inside and you'll be warm and you'll be dry. So that's why I became a, a fitter, served my time five years mm-hmm. at the fitting. So I did. Now, you, you, you've said there about being inside, being dry and warm and having the job, but this wasn't what you were doing outside because no. I, we have, I've, I've actually turned up an article from way back in February 1959 and a gentleman called Derek Murray uh, writing an Irish sports special about you at that time and when you were 18. And at that time you'd started to run and this man seen so much potential in you and you, you were hitting the headlines week after week after week. But you've just said you're sitting in the middle nice and warm and dry. This sport that you're involved in is nowhere near being warm and dry because you're running about fields <laughs> round Dundonald. So where, how did it all start for you? I mean, where all this athletics? Was it at school or where, where did it happen? Well, I was in the boys' brigade and their fellow Tom Crummy was in it and he was a good runner and great footballer and he says to me, Jim, why don't you join the Harriers? I says, Tom, I never run school. It's all football. He says, come on, come on ahead. He says, not do any harm. Keep you fit. So that's why I started to run for Bully Drain. Uh, there wasn't much money about then, and I only had a pair of black goodies, as we called them, black mm-hmm. slips, slip-ons, you know, and you were slipping and sliding. And, uh, David Canavan used to come round, you know, he was an ex-runner. He used to come round with groceries to my mother. Well, Laurie, and she got whatever she wanted. And she must have said, tell him that I was uh, joined Bully Drain. So he says, tell him, she said to my mother, come down, tell him to come down some night, I want to see him. So I said, I want what he wants. So I went down, and he took me in and set me down. And he says, uh, hold on, sit there a month, I come back. He came back in with this box, a pair of Adidas running shoes, Spikes, the proper running shoes. And he says, Jim, try them on. Of course, they fitted me dead on. I says, Debbie, how much do I owe you? He says, you don't owe me anything. He says, that's for keeping the name of Bolly Drain up. 
Wow. And that's the first time I had a pair of spikes. Wow, isn't that amazing? And Bally Drain had been going long before you, oh, you know, when, when you were away from about 1933. Oh, you so you, you'd heard of them, though. Had you seen them out running about around like that, no? No. 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 They were more down next to uh, the Spain direction, Bally Drain, all that direction, you know? Chatting with Chris on the Down About Down podcast. So you, you turn up for your first, you know, what do you do? You just put these shoes on and go down and go out for a run with the guys. You know, how, how did you start it all? I used to push an old bike, <laughs> maybe no lights or not, not down the Bali drain from Carragall. Yes, yes. And get stripped out. And in them days, there were no showers. Mm-hmm. All we had was a, a boiler for the boil of water. Every morning we'd had that boil and a, an old tin bath. And that was where to get the muck off us whenever we'd come back in again. Wow. And then you maybe got a bit of a massage with the legs around the stomach, and that helped you. And then got got the bike out again, back home again. <laughs> That's a different world, doesn't it? What age were you then, Jim, when you started that? I don't can't really remember. You know, it must have been about seventeen or something, around about seventeen. So when did you realise there's something here? You know, when did you start to see yourself getting ahead of people? How how did that work? It just sort of came natural to me. Because it was that late, there was only eight stone, you see, and it was that late. It just seemed to come natural. Yeah. So that, but I, I liked the football better, funny enough. Yeah. But yeah. I always threw it back in the football, cause, and then I always got hurt. I had to sort of give that up. Mm-hmm. And I got on all right just after that. So when did you meet? I mean, if you're working in the mill all day, was this at weekends, or when, when did you meet? Every Tuesday there was a, meet, a meeting, even out for maybe around six or seven miles round the road or around some of the fields and then Thursday night again and then Saturday went away out around the country maybe farther round by the shore and all over red rocks and over the, through the, the what the tide was out you run across it was old mucky water you know like sand mm-hmm. you were sinking <laughs> I enjoyed that that was but it was it never finished up just going out training it was always finished up a race yeah yeah so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 wow the reason for that was whoever got back first got the clean water yes and the water yes <laughs> <laughs> that was that was part of the reason and many young fellows were running then Jim was there a whole like 20, 30, 40 how many people would have been involved yeah. I would say about, about a dozen yeah a dozen then right. but uh, there's more now there's over 100 of them now since I gave it up so your first big race then can you remember that can you cast your mind back all those years and Remember how you felt, or can you remember anything about it? I can remember every one of the races, nearly, you know. The first race was the Northern Iron. No, the first race I ran was in Dublin, and they threw me in to make up the team. And I was, it was I think it was a six-mile race or something. Mm-hmm. And I was actually leading it, and Tom Crummy shouted at me to stop or stop or drop back. Mm-hmm. I says, why? He says, you're, 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 if you won the day, you'll take a, a junior medal, and you're automatically a senior. He says you haven't even won a youth race yet, so I dropped away back. So it, <laughs> that was my first big race. So it was at Saturday Stadium, and then we ran in Phoenix Park as well. And I ran one day in Phoenix Park, and had a new pair of the first pair of spikes I bought. I'd got actually got a shoemaker to split the sole, and I made steel things. And he put them in, in the sole, the shoe. 
and the spikes come up through them, and I had to stop and throw the, throw them off <laughs> and start rolling again, and I won that. That's incredible. Uh, that, it was like a, a billiard table, Phoenix Park. It was simple somewhere, you know. Yeah. Had you really ever been outside this area? You never, you wouldn't have went to Dublin with your parents. I mean, that's what I'm getting no, at. No. You, you know, apart from racing, but before that, you'd never been outside this area, really. No, not really. So that would have been a big thing in your life oh, at that stage. You know, even to get down there. How would you even have got down in those days? We went, went down the train. There was, there was a whole train load of us, supporters and runners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and remember one day we're at the, the border and this wee man was searching them people and he made every one of us empty our bags out there and kept Mm-hmm. Out onto the floor, <laughs> and you had to put it back yourself. He was real keen, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was. And then the other time I went, after that, I went with Davy Kenavan. He took me down the car, and always done well whenever I went in the car. So I did. But I, I, I didn't like a train at all. Because yeah. I'd never been trained, trained, travelled that much them days. Chris Scott on the Down About Down podcast. So you were eight stone, right? What did, I mean, in those days, I mean, things are different now. You go down to the garage here and you can lift boxes of sweets for next to nothing and with everything we need now. In those days, even the food, you I mean, it was basic food. You weren't, there was no highfalutin food and processed food then. What, as you were now becoming an athlete, did, did you just eat or what, what, you know, did you just eat normally or did you do specific? My mother, my mother was great. She was good with the food. I, could, I remember maybe maybe eating ten or twelve potatoes before we went to train even. Never never fizzed on me. Mm-hmm. There was only once I was caught out and ate ate uh, hard pears one Friday night and the race was the next day and I was leading at Bully Clare and I felt the cramps in my belly, mm-hmm. in my stomach and I had to stop and the second fella he was a hell of it behind me and he caught up with me. I think it was Joe Ringland, as far as I can remember now. And he just bit me to the lane no more once I got started again. <laughs> and that was the only time I was ever caught out with a hard pairs. So it learned me a lesson. We, we see people doing marathons and all now and so on, you, you know, and they've all bottles of water with them. Uh, was that important to you? No, never done anything like that. Honestly? Never done anything, no. Uh, my mother and father were very strict. You were in bed at night, about, night, about 9 o'clock. They were very strict, and whenever I come at a certain age, got a few pounds together, I bought a motorbike. And if I'd been 10 months, I was going by girl then, the wife. If I'd been 10 months late, my mother would have had my father out of bed. Always killed, he's something happened to him, yeah. and he would have come looking for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the day I got married, he said yeah. to me, Thank God you're getting married. He says, I've got peace to lie in bed now. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else will worry about you. <laughs> so. But of course, I think later on in your career, you had a bit of a, a, a hoo-ha with a motorbike. I had two or three motorbikes. But you had a wee bit of an accident, uh, did you? I had one stage, because I, I know in some of the reports I'd read uh, that you were out for a while, you'd been injured. I was. Uh, I went to a race in Bally Clare one day and uh, come on home. I fell in with a fellow called Billy Dodds. And he was on before my time and had a good yarn with him. And, and I come into this bend. The bike went into a front wheel slide with me. Mm. And down I went. And I had a pair of octopus goggles in them days. And an old helmet. By the 30 bob helmet with a scoop on it. And 
the goggles actually saved me. I hit that, the road on that side of my head. And it, I was going to get on, I was a wee red motorbike, and I was getting a hold of it again to get on. And this man come along in a car and he says, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. He says, you're not going home with a cat. He says, I'll take you to a doctor. And he took me to this doctor. And this man, he was drunk. Oh my goodness. And the shouts and the yells, and he scared the life out of me. <laughs> And he lapped my he wrapped my head up with all this bodies, you know, you'd, you'd have thought half of the head was off me. <laughs> and he says, where do you live? I says, I live in a place called Clinchy. He says, I'll order a taxi for you. So I come home with a taxi. Uh-huh. And whenever my mother seen it, she nearly fainted. <laughs> she thought the half of the head was off me. <laughs> of course, the newspapers picked up on that at the oh. time and, and, and you were out of injured. Oh. So I'm going to go back to whenever you were 18, 19 then. Explain to me then, you were junior runner, is that right? You yeah. were in the juniors. What, what age did you turn senior then? Whenever you, you actually, as soon as you won a, a junior race, championship race, you automatically to become a senior. Same with the youth, if you, if you won the, the, individual, the individual medal and the youth, yeah. they won the youth, the northern youth and then the older youth, you're automatically a junior and the same, you automatically become a senior and you win a junior medal. So you won the Northern Ireland youth yes, and then you won the senior as well, is that right? Explain to me all the, the sequence of events then. I won the Northern Ireland youth first and then the old Ireland youth, then the Northern Ireland junior and then the old Iron Junior, and second in the English Junior. And then I was automatically a senior then. Uh-huh. And I ran the senior cross country. And I won the Northern Iron Senior the first time, the same year as I was all Iron Junior. Right, okay. In the same year. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I won, I was, I, I won it again the second time. And then the third time I was leading it, I was jumping a river at Dundon. And I had a stone whenever I landed and slid down the side of the drill and went over my ankle, pulled all the ligaments and that was it. That punished me. My ankle never was the same again. And uh, uh, David Kahneman took me to a man called Jameson. He lived near Dundall. He was an old man and he, he said to me, actually what, I'm the brush below my arm yeah. for support. Yeah. And he says to me, strip off. So I stripped off and he started in the back of my neck. This old man, he, he'd run away to sea whenever he was young, and that's where he learned it. And he says to me, uh, lie down that board there. And he started in the back of my neck. I says, it's not my neck, it's my ankle. He says, just you lie there, son. Mm-hmm. And he came right down my whole body. And inside an hour, he had me run around the kitchen. Wow. And he says to me, you think you're cured, but you're not. He says, I'm an old man, I'm not able for any more. He says, go to Bobby McGregor. He looked after Glen Torn football team. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a mate called Ken Savage. He was a good goalkeeper. He played for Glen Torn. And he says, I'll take you up some training night. And he he come over to me and he felt around my ankle. And he says, you have both ligaments in your ankle. He says, I'm going to tell you now, your ankle will never be the same again. He says, you've been better if you'd have broke your ankle. Mm-hmm. He says, your, your ankle will never be the same. Mm-hmm. So he could do nothing for me. And he was right then, Jim. I mean, that, right. that, that he was, was right. It. Yeah. He was right. That was it. So that was probably about 1964-ish. You were probably, uh, I yeah. think so, around about then. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember now, just. Yeah. But of course, you, you know, we're going back again. You, you mentioned a few things that you won, but you went to Lisbon in, in Portugal. So that, like, you know, you were top, you were heading up towards 
world top Olympics yeah. nearly. You yeah. know, that would probably some be of, the next stage. You haven't best, mentioned that. There's some of the best runners in, in the Europe, then, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I run against, the, uh, actually run against Derek Ibbison, and he was a mailer. He broke the world record for the mail, and uh, they sent me to Spain to run an Irish team, and I was one of the few of the Irish team that finished. Someone only went for the trip. And a man called Billy Morton, Morton, he was the brains behind Santry Stadium. He wrote me a letter and he says, Jim, I'm going to congratulate you, he says, because you went and you tried your hardest. He says, some of the, my own boys down here didn't try at all. He, he, he says, you're going to be a good one, he says, keep at it. And I, I, I never forget that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What amazing memories to have, Jim. And in those days, I mean, you know, my own parents never got in a plane in their life, you know, so I was fortunate when I was 18 of a first flew away. What, I mean, that's even a different era I'm talking about in your day. Mm-hmm. What was it like your first time probably, in, well, you'd been across England, but you're going on a plane, you're going to a different country altogether? Oh, it was great. There was some, some great crack in the plane and all with the boys from the south and all. <laughs> and uh, uh, I went to Sunday school and church every Sunday and the church actually bought me a, a travelling bag. They even went to, as far as to make sure you only you only an amateur. You weren't allowed to go too much money. Mm-hmm. They even went that, that for for to make sure that they done that. And where I worked in Cumber Mill, all the boys had worked with me in the mill, and the poor men bought me a wristed watch, a gold watch, with my name on the back of it, Jim Kenmore, Northern Ireland Senior Champion. And presented me with that, mm-hmm. and I still have it. That's not amazing. Exactly, and come in a minute, getting a, a minute hand on. Mm-hmm. My father kept it for me. He says I, it did go on me to start. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. go on me. Yeah, and he says I keep it for your oldest son, and he kept it all them years. Whenever he died, I got it, and it was still going. So I give it to this man to get a a minute hand put on. <laughs> so. <laughs> And it was a lovely wee watch, nice yeah. wee slim watch, like that, something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how long did you spend out there? I mean, did you have to go out climatised? No, the, no, no, you're only there the race was over and then home again. Is that right? That's all. All, all that way? Uh-huh. Oh. How did work see that? Were you still wet in the mill at that stage? Well, I got the, 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 they let me go. They were very good that way, like, yeah. let me go. No bother. But you weren't that long away, like, you know. But you're going into a different climate altogether. I mean, you've been running around here, and I'm sure the weather was no different what it is these days with the rain and well, everything else going on. What was it like out there? The heaviest course ever ran on was in Brussels, and and uh, it was that warm through the day. They held the race later on the day, you know, because mm-hmm. the ground was all cracking up, and I wasn't used to that at all. Yeah, so it was different. Yeah. It was different. And one of the old papers, it was on the 21st of March 1959 at the National Stadium. You were in the International Cross Country Championships in Lisbon and Portugal. And some of those names were big names. I mean, that's who you're running again. Bertie, Bertie Massett, uh, who went on to be an Olympian, uh, the Olympics in 1960. And you told me that you actually he was behind you in one race. I beat him, I beat him on Bally Clare and uh, Noel Rounder. That was the only team ever I beat him. He was a great runner, so he was a great sportsman too. Yeah. There was a bit of gentlemanship, I mean, in those days. Oh, yeah, there always was. Yeah. Well, now, in the international, I've seen boys getting spiked, deliberate, at the start of the race. Uh, just yeah. down the back of somebody's leg. Oh, 
I couldn't believe it. I was lucky I kept out of the road. Like, yeah, yeah. It was hard, you know, because there was that many together. And the cross-country, the junior cross-country in England, the English junior cross-country, I think there was 800 runners started. Wow. So there was all different teams. And a funny second in it. I should have won it. Threw it away. I couldn't get out the start. It was boxed in. Ah, okay. And I said to myself, I'll, I'll move out to the outside and put up a bit of a show here and kept passing and passing. And I was expecting them to come by me again, but nobody passed me again. Yeah. And the fella, was a fella called North, was he was favourite. I passed him, got up a hill, and he actually stopped. And I could have reached out and touched the winner at the end. So I could have. <laughs> you know, you, you were in the... I mean, you have a collection here of different pictures and bits and pieces out of the newspaper. You must have been in the Ireland Saturday night every every week of the, when nearly, the run was on. Nearly every fortnight when there was a race, every fortnight or so. And, of course, if I, anybody's researching you, don't always go by your first name because they, they seem to call you Joe and Joseph at some stage. <laughs> It was Jack McGowan, he wrote for the Saturday Night, what, yeah, the, what yeah. they call the pink. Yeah. And he got his information in that bar somewhere. <laughs> and he called me Joe. It wasn't from the horse's mouth. <laughs> and he, even Bob Catterson, he ran for East Adam, he started to call me Joe. Is that right, eh? He was a policeman. That's right, Bob was quite high up in the police, I think, at one stage. So he was a runner as well. He was, he ran for East Adam. And then there was another name that kept appearing in the same papers, Colin Shillington, who had said his father was also, you know, within the police service Aye. too. But, you know, in fairness to Jack McGowan, 1960, he just said, Kenmore just can't be beaten yet. I leak my hat if he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be able to, we can beat all right. There's nobody can be beat, can't be beat. Yeah, 1962, there, I think there had been championships in Blackpool, Jim, but you hadn't made it because it, 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 there was a lot of stuff about you at that stage. You picked up an ankle injury and you had a troublesome an- ankle injury for about 10 days, it said. Is that is that all accurate? Yeah. It was more than that. Right, I <laughs> yeah. never was the same again. Yeah, yeah. Even this day, if I stepped in a wee stone just a certain way, I'll be over on it. So you're talking, you know, back to your, your own days, was it always six milers that you did? Was that, was that always a race? No. no. The youth race was three miles, the juniors were six, and the seniors was nine. But I could have run all day. Once I got my second breath, I could have run all day. <laughs> Distance didn't mean anything to me. So I, I would like to run on to the marathon, but then I got hurt. They were talking about getting me into the marathon. And I think I would have done all right in the marathon. When you say the marathon, where was that held, though? Oh, they're all over the country, Belfast and all over the country. And is that the way we know a marathon now, 20 something odd miles yeah, it, or something miles? So that, that was always that? Oh, it was always the same, huh? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I could have done the marathon no more. So whenever you were running out running, I mean, you were, you were obviously well known out there. You know, had you like a fan club? Were there people followed you to different races? Were you, had you a lot of support? Yes, there was a lot of people following us down, down to Dublin and all, Polly Clare and all, maybe a bus load or train load. <laughs> There was an, another thing when I went to Ballyclare, Hillhead Road, there were no showers. And it was in the winter time. And <laughs> to get the muck off you before you get back under your clothes and under the bus, there was a river. Yeah. And you went down to the river and broke the ice under the river to get the muck off your legs and your feet. <laughs> and then got your clothes on <laughs> and back home again in the bus. Yeah. <laughs> We were, we were that fit, we didn't realise it, you know, we never realised how fit we were at the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at a photograph of you here, and I think that was in Dundonald, and there's maybe, there's probably half, there's probably 40 runners, 50 runners in this race. Yeah. Um, 
and you see when I look at you, there isn't a peck of fat on you. You, you can see your muscles, your legs, that you're toned, and and every gentleman that photographs exactly the same. Uh, it was just uh, muscle and bone. There was no fat on me, and yet there was a great, uh, great grubber like I could eat anything at all. Yeah. Even before I went out to Rome, right? We're talking of Dundall. Where exactly in Dundall where the race is held, John? It was a place called uh, Rob's Farm, and then the, there was uh, where the boys' school, school is there on the main road, uh-huh. just up from the village a bit, going actually at Nards. The, the, the uh, run over the hills there, right in the fields up behind it. And this is all on the fields, over hedges, or through gates. How, how, I mean, what was the, was it over rivers, shocks, you name it? Whatever you, everything you mentioned, all there. Before we re- before we come on to record, you did say that there were actually gentlemen who ran with no shoes on. That's right. The boys from the Dublin run two brothers, two Don brothers, and one of our own men, Adam Brown, he ran this bare feet. So I did. But it was a risky business too, like. But mm-hmm. the only time I ran my bare feet was when the space come up through my shoes, mm-hmm. and that was in Phoenix Park, mm-hmm. and that was like a billiard table just. But I always had a new pair of black goodies or until I got a pair of proper running shoes, you know. Yeah. I dare say if you're going to cross a field in your bare feet, it would make you run faster, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it. I know. So if you're doing an eight mile, can you remember your times? I mean, were you doing this in 40 minutes, 30 minutes? What what, what sort of times would you have been bring, coming in on those? I don't know about the eight, nine miles, but I know about the six. It was usually about 30-something minutes, 30, maybe two or something like that there, you know. Oh, were the records? I mean, did people keep records, official records, at different times really in those days? No, I don't know. Yeah, okay. not sure. Now, tell you the truth. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know if you ever held a, a record, but they obviously didn't really go into it that much. I think maybe I held a record at Bully Drain, around the Mail Street, but that was all run road running. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it was one of the fastest around it. I'm not sure. Tell you the truth. Chatting with Chris on the Down About Down podcast. And of course, before I, I leave a conversation, I mean, you, there's a lovely photograph here of various medals and discs and things that you picked up along the way. Did you ever count how many you gathered up in, in, in your, and I suppose it was a relatively short career, medals, cups, you know? I had more cups, I think, than I had medals. Yeah. And yet I never won a, cl- a, a club race. I always got fastest time on it. I was always handicapped. Some of the, the younger ones had a mile done before I even was allowed to start. Yeah. But I caught some of them. And then whenever some of the races, I was actually lapping some of the runners. Right. So I was. That's right. That is absolutely incredible story, Jim. You know, you, you talk about this like it was yesterday, but it wasn't yesterday. I mean, you, you, do you miss those days, Jim? Did you miss it all? I do, yes. It was, it was that fit, you know. So I was pretty fit. But do you know, looking at you, um, well, I wish I was fit now. <laughs> well, I know looking at. I mean, I look at those photographs. You, you haven't changed. Uh, you know, I would know that you, and that that photograph was taken in nineteen fifty nine. I'm looking at you now. I know that's you. That's you. You haven't changed a lot. <laughs> uh, I used to wear an old black barrette to keep the hair stinging my head in the face. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the photos. Brilliant. Well, tell me this: the next generation within the family, are, you know, did any of them go in the sport? What, what was it? Carrot? Was it through the DNA? You know, what, ha- what happened? That fellow there in the middle. Okay. He's a good footballer. Uh huh. That's Adam. Yes. Or, that's your grandson, is it? Or Adam, your son? Oh, Kenmore. That's yeah. the oldest son. Yeah. Youngest fellow. Yeah. He's a good footballer, and he can do a better run too. So there is. So, so there is something in the family still. Uh, he was the only one. None of the rest of the boys. Yeah. Well, my oldest 
the oldest son, he done goalkeeper for some of the wee local teams, but he was killed with high fever, and he had to give it up. But he was a good wee goalkeeper. Yeah. He gave it up. Uh, four four sons, uh, four grandsons, one great grandson. That's him there in the blue, uh-huh. yeah. and one granddaughter. Yeah. They yeah. all grew up now, you know. Jim, if you had the equipment now, I mean, with all these Nike Air shoes and with all these fancy shoes, do you think it would have made you run any better? Oh, uh, definitely. So you do you do believe that the equipment now, everyone's totally different. Special diets and all that carry on. Yeah. I, I was able to eat anything at all. I could have had a dozen buds before it. <laughs> Jim, what an interesting afternoon's conversation. You know, if I met you along the street, I wouldn't have known your story at all. I would look at you and just walk on by. But, you know, what a story. And, and, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. That's no problem. You're welcome anytime. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you again to Jim Kenmore for that interesting insight into his cross-country running days in the late 1950s and early 1960s with the Ballydrain Harriers all the way to the international stage. I would hope to be talking again to Jim sometime in the future, maybe about his uh, work in Cumbermill. It's, uh, it's something that doesn't exist anymore and I'm sure he has lots of great stories about that. If you'd like to be part of the Down About Down podcast or know someone who'd like to take part then, please get in touch with me, your host Chris Scott. You can email me at downaboutdown at outlook.com. That's downaboutdown at outlook.com and I will come back to you. Until we meet again, stay safe folks. If you would like to get in touch with Chris at the Down About Down podcast, then email downaboutdown at outlook.com. You've been listening to Down About Down podcast, hosted and produced by Chris Scott for your ears only. 